Pastor Ashley and Jay, volunteers in this house, and everybody that Hope Church represents, I thank you for hosting me and being generous hosts. How many of you in the house love Pastor Jay and Ashley? Ashley, you two have been close friends of mine for many, many years. We've done ministry together a lot. And in this new season of your life, I understand the Lord has called you into. I see it. I see the anointing and I see the call on your life. And I know it's difficult because maybe in our ideas of how things should be, that, that maybe we think that it should be differently or done by a different person, or we have these ideas of how God should work and move. And, and I'll be honest, I mean, I'm, I may even have some of these religious hang-ups myself. But look, in this day and age that we live, all that we really need is somebody to preach Jesus. And I don't care if it's a boy or a girl or a man or a woman. I don't care if you're polka-dotted or plaid. We need Jesus. So thank you, Pastor Ashley. Thank you for what you do and what you mean to this house. Give her a hand. It's a hard job to be where she's at. It's a hard job as a lady in this world to find a place in, I'm sorry that we have to say it, but in a man's world. But she's standing in that gap for us. She's standing in that gap for you. And I know that if I needed somebody to pray for me, if I needed a pastor that's really going to get on their knees and pray for me, I know she's doing the job. And I know she has her husband beside her, guiding and directing and covering him with his prayers and protection. So just because the the face and the figure standing up here is female, don't think that there's not a man covering this lady with his prayers. It's the whole package you have here. Thank you, Pastor Ashley. Thank you, Hope Church. I'm guilty too. Sometimes we get caught up in ideas that hinder us from moving the gospel forward. And they become stumbling blocks to me. They become things that my religious ideas, because it was just the way I was raised, tripped me up. But the real issue we're dealing with here is lost souls need to be saved. And we have a generation that's lost. And in this hour, I'm just celebrating anybody who will take the gospel to the lost. Anybody, please. Any laborers, the Lord says, for the harvest is plenty, but the laborers are. Pray the Lord of the harvest that he sends laborers. Heavenly Father, be with me this morning. Let your word go forth with power. Let them not see a man up here, but let them hear the word of God, and see your power move in this house. 
Let souls be saved. Let lives be transformed. By the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, have your way in this service. Amen. So in the uh, famous words of the great Smokey and the Bandit, we got a long way to go and a short time to get there. Praise God. If y'all want to start turning, if you want to start turning to First uh, Kings chapter eighteen, I'm going to start in verse twenty. I'm going to try to read through this as quickly as I can for the sake of time. I go to a Pentecostal church, and we'll just take advantage of you and hold you hostage and we'll keep you for four or five hours but we're going to try not to do this this morning i'm going to try to stay within our time frame because we got second service coming up i have to do it again this is what i would i just what i ask you so the way that i preach i let the holy spirit move and have his way second service won't be like first service so if you can, if time allows you, if today allows you, if, if the day of the Lord has been consecrated for him and you can make it to the second service, I would implore you to please come see what the Lord has to say in the second service because it may be a recap of this service, but it will be a continuation of the word that the Lord has put on my heart for Hope Church and the vision and direction that you guys are heading in. Six months ago, I came up here and I began to cast the vision into this church because there's a transition that your pastors are wanting to go in and your worship team and your, and your volunteers and your staff members are wanting to move this church into a, a charismatic full God a prophetic house that brings a light into their community that's a that's a right now word of God for this region and so six months ago I promised that if I got with these key players not just these but several you're all scattered throughout the house and I and I met with y'all and if y'all were here on that Wednesday night I, I said I, look if you guys would grab hold of this vision and run with it and you'll be faithful to it, then I'll come back in six months and then we'll continue to let the winds of revival to blow across this place and we'll see a great move of God in this region. Amen? You have been faithful to that vision and you've seen great moves already beginning to happen in the wind of God in this house and salvations and deliverances, people being filled with the Holy Ghost. You've already begun to see this move happen. And this is the deal that I'll continue to make with you. As long as you guys grab the vision and run with it and train one another up to run with this vision, I will continue to try to come in. As a matter of fact, I'm not going to say try. Pastor Ashley, I will make this promise to you. Like we say in the South, Lord willing and the creek don't rise. I will come every six months and I will breathe fresh life into the vision and continue to cast this vision moving forward for this region and this house. I believe that this is a house of prayer and I believe this is a prophetic house for the age that we live in. I believe that this is a voice and a place of healing and restoration and I believe that the nation is in need of a place like this. I believe that you are sitting on a chair in our country, a place where the, the country was established, Philadelphia, New York, this region is what I'm talking about, that, that this is a foundational region to our country 
country. Not only that, but the Lord told me last time I was here, He said, painted post. He said, I want you to tell Hope Church that they're planted in a place called painted post. He said, tell them that 2,000 years ago, I had a painted post and it was planted on the hill of Calvary and it was painted with the blood of Jesus Christ. He said that blood had the power to save then and it has the power to save today. You live in a place that is called painted post and the post of Calvary, the cross of Calvary is that painted post that we talk about. As I was coming up here, preparing to come up here this weekend, um, as I was preparing a message for the house and to cast in and to promote and to push forward this vision, this journey that y'all are on, this move into the next thing. The Lord said, this is what I want to add to painted post. Painted post, that post and painted post, as I began to research it, had something to do with nobody really knows who put it there. Different people have different opinions of this post is some kind of, maybe it's a totem pole, maybe it's a, maybe it's a landmark, maybe it's something, some people say Native Americans put it there, some people say early sellers put it there. We don't really know for sure who put it there, but we all have our opinions of who put it there, but that's not important. This is what the Lord said that's important about it, is that it was put there to mark a spot where three rivers converge. Mm. need you all to hear me on this. He put it in a spot where three rivers converge. This house is planted in a region in a spot in the seat of this country where three rivers converge and this is what I believe the word for the house is that in heaven there's a river and there's a river that comes from a convergence of three the father the son and the holy spirit and I believe that this house can be a convergence of those three rivers a prophetic river that flows out into this country that brings salvation deliverance healing to this country by the power of the father the son and the holy ghost I believe that this is a seat for the kingdom of God that's sitting at a strategic place in the convergence of three rivers. And I know that the river of God flows through this house and it will flow out and it will bring a prophetic voice into this country that will bring healing and deliverance. I know that you are pivotable, pivotal, pi- I need water, pivotable, pivotal in this season. To reach our people in the country and in the world. Because we're not talking about just regional transformation. We're talking about global transformation. We're talking about one nation under one God. His name is Jehovah. And we are a hub of ministry to the world. We are a missionary hub to the world. And the world has been disappointed because see, Jesus in us is the hope of the nations. And we have failed to be Jesus in us to be the hope of the nations. But I believe that God's doing a transforming work where Jesus in you you will begin to send out missionaries around this world that once again America will be known as one nation under one God filled with Jesus Christ and being sent out in the power of the Holy Spirit to be witnesses unto Him in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria unto the uttermost parts of the earth. (laughs) 
I got to get on the ball. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 20. I'm going to paraphrase for the, for the lack of time. Y'all follow with me. need y'all to go home and get in your Bible and you need to read this. I'm, I'm going to paraphrase so that we can save a little bit of time. But I'm going to go real fast. I'm going to skim through the first important part and paraphrase the rest. So Ahab sent for all the children of Israel and gathered prophets together on Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left the prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Therefore, let them give us two bowls and let them choose one bowl for themselves. Cut it into pieces and lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. And I will prepare the other bowl and lay it on the wood but put no fire under it. Then you call on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord, and the God who answers by fire, he is God. So all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one bowl for yourselves and prepare it first, for you are many, and call on the name of your God, but put no fire under it. So they took the bowl which was given them, and they prepared it and called on the name of Baal. From morning until noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, no one answered. Then they leaped about the altar which they had made. And so it was at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he is God. Either he is meditating or he is busy or he is on a journey or perhaps he is sleeping and must be awakened so they cried aloud and cut themselves and it was as it was their custom with knives and lances until the blood gushed out of them and then midday passed they prophesied until the time of the offerings of the evening sacrifice but there was no voice no one answered no one paid attention then Elijah said to the people, come near. So all the people came near to him and he, re he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the son of Jacob to whom the word of the Lord had come saying, Israel shall be your name. Then the stones he built the altar in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench around the altar, large enough to hold two sheas of seed. And he put the wood in order, cut the bowl in pieces, and laid it, and laid the wood, laid the wood on the altar anyway. Fill four water pots with water, and pour it on the burnt sacrifices on the wood. Then he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. So the water ran all around the altar. And he also filled the trench with water. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifices that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord. Hear that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. 
Then the fire of the Lord fell and it consumed the burnt offerings and the wood and the stones and the dust. And it licked up the water and it was a trench in the trench. Now when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let one of them escape. So they seized them and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and executed them there. The word of the Lord for America in this season, in this hour, is how long will you falter? How long will you halt? How long will you stumble between two opinions? Either Jehovah God is Lord, or this world and its system is Lord. Serve now today who you choose, but as for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. I am calling in this season forth a remnant body of people who will say at whatever sacrifice I have to make, no matter what it costs me, I don't care if it costs me everything I have. I don't care if it costs me my friends. I don't care if it costs me my family. I don't care what it costs me. It can cost me everything that this world has to offer. But look, if I win the whole world, but I lose my soul, what does it gain me? But I tell you that the God of this world is after us, after our children, after our churches, after our preachers, after everything that we hold sacred. And it wants to call itself and build itself up its own altars. You see these altars of Baal, they had their own altars. They they sacrificed their own sacrifices. But I'm telling you, there's only one God who answers by fire. And his name is Jehovah. His name is Yahweh. And he is still the God of Abraham. He's the God of Isaac. He's the God of Jacob. And he's the God of America. I don't care what the news says about it. There's still a remnant people in this land. There's still a remnant people who haven't bowed their knee to Baal. Isaiah chapter 6. Quickly. Got to go. In the year of King, in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim, each had six wings, and two he covered his face, and two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. So I said, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken from the tongs of the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. Oh, 
Lord. We like to stop there and we like to dance around the altar and say, praise the Lord, send me. But then verse 9 comes. And he said, go and tell this people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the hearts of this people dull and their ears heavy and shut their eyes, lest with their ears and understand with their heart and return and be healed. Then I said, Lord, how long? And he answered, until the cities are laid waste and without inhabitants. The houses are without a man. The houses are without a man. Hear me. The houses are without a man. The land is utterly desolate. The Lord has removed men far away. And the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. But yet a tenth will be in it. Say yet a tenth will be in it. Yet a tenth will be in it. And will return and be for consuming as a terebinth tree or as an oak whose stump remains when it is cut down so the holy seed shall be its stump let me translate that real quick for you in the season that we live in there's an emasculation that's going on and not only in the world but in the body of Christ and this emasculation is removing the men from our country removing the men from our families it's removing the men so that the enemy can come and consume us can come and lead us to the slaughter it's because men have been torn out of the families that our families are in such disarray I have a prison ministry where I have a congregation of, uh, of men who are incarcerated um, in the state penitentiary, penitentiary and, I, and I go in there and, I, and I, love my, I love my congregation in the prison and they love the Lord and, 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 and I enjoy being with them. And when I sit and I talk to them and I ask them, how did you end up in this situation? How did you end up sitting in prison? How, how did this happen to you? And the 99.9% of the time when we get to the root of the problem, the root of the problem is somehow by some situation that the father was removed from the house and the children were raised by single mothers. Let me tell you, there is an agenda and it's not a black and white thing. It's not a racial thing. It's not a prejudice thing. It's none of that. You got to hear me. You see, there are people who are capitalizing on division in this country and they're using our insecurities and calling it racism in order to divide us as a people. But we are a people of God and we are a people of his glory and his power. And I don't care what color you are. We're all his children and they're using those insecurities to divide us. But this is what's happening is Satan recognizes that if the man is removed from the home, then the home will have a hard time standing. Don't be mistaken. Don't be fooled. Satan's been at it for a long time. They say the children of a divorced home 
it's harder for them to find their way back to the Lord than it is for a family who the mom and dad stay together. Don't take that as a condemnation or shame. If you come from a divorced home, look, Jesus loves you and Jesus saves you. It's got no condition on your salvation and no condition on the blood of Jesus to heal and save and deliver you. I'm just saying that and you already know it and I hope this brings healing to you. If you come from a divorced home, your struggle is real. And we do understand that. But in this house, there'll be love. And in this house will be Jesus. And in this house will be deliverance for every trial that came against you in a single home. I know you did without. I know you, you, you didn't have certain people in that home that would, that, that would tuck you in at night. I know the tears that you cried into your pillow because you didn't understand because you were a child. Look, this is healing to somebody here today that cried tears in their pillow late at night because because mom and dad wasn't together anymore. Because the enemy divided them apart. Because the enemy tore their family apart. I'm telling you, you have a father in heaven that loves you. You have a father in heaven who is perfect. And the flaws of your earthly father, the flaws of your earthly mother are not held to your account. Because Jesus has washed it all away. And he's dried your tears. I'm here today because the Lord has put on my heart this message. This message is entitled, A Generation of Fire. I believe that the agenda of this world is to destroy every Is it okay if I'm not careful? <laughs> there are people and world systems that are set up in this society, in this world, that the sole purpose, whether they realize it or not, is to assist Satan in his tearing down of the family union. And if he can tear that family union down in any way that he can find to tear it down, he can get control of our children. And he'll come in and he'll rob our family of our generations, of our legacies that we're leaving on this earth. You see, they're calling this generation the lost generation. And they're showing us on TV all of these things that they want us to believe about this generation. And all of these things that they want us to think that this generation is about. But I'm telling you that God has a tenth. God has a portion. He always has a remnant. And that remnant of kids, that remnant of young people are going after God like I've never seen before. I mean, they're going after God like I've never seen before. And I'm cheering them on. Look, I'm talking about my young people. I'm talking about my little kids. I'm talking about the teenagers. I'm talking about the young adults. Man, they're going after God. And let me tell you, they're untouched by this world. 
world. They've not bowed the knee to Baal. They've not put themselves into uh, adultery and pornography and bowing their knees to the knees of alcohol and drugs. They're pure. They're righteous before God. And this generation's going to lead us to the kingdom. This generation's going to go out before us in battle. And I'm cheering them on. I'm going after them. I'm going to raise them up. I'm going to speak life into them. I'm going to encourage them any way I can. Oh, God has a remnant. God always has a remnant. It's a 10%, a tenth that is reserved for His glory is reserved for his glory. And when we think there's no hope for this world anymore, I'm telling you, our young people are going after God like I've never seen before. Our young people, they're writing new worship music. They're, they're, they're singing new songs. They're, they're dancing. They're, oh, they're encouraging me. Oh, they're, 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 they're igniting a new fire inside of me when I see these young people go after God. In every church, we have three things. We have three groups of people. And it's no fault of anybody. It's the season that we've been in. How much time do I have? I'm over time, right? I know I'm out of time. Always out of time. Always out of time. Oh, man, that's prophetic, too. We're out of time, people. Jesus is coming back. Three, three groups of people, real quick. Three groups of people. You ready? Three groups of people. Three groups, say three groups of people. You got your new saved people who are excited and passionate on fire for God, but they don't know what to do with it. You got your longtime saved people who have become a little bit dry and a little bit staunch and a little bit religious and a little bit all of that. I kind of fall into that category because the gray hair just keeps coming in. I can't stop it. I tried that just for men. I used a whole bottle of it. Didn't do nothing but turn my teeth black. The third group is this group that's sitting there that has a desire inside. Not that the other two groups don't have a desire, but it's this, it's this group that feels like they've been set on the sideline because they have this desire that's inside and they feel like they're different. They feel like they're, something's different than them and if they let what's inside of them begin to come forth in the church, that they might be shunned and they might be put to the side because maybe what they have inside of them looks a little more exuberant, looks a little more passionate, looks a little more, little, little, little more on fire. But, but, but see what they are they've got they've got the spirit of God is dwelling in them and they're beginning to be saturated with that oil and year after year after year that oil continues to fill them up fill them up fill them up I'm here to tell you that there's a generation of fire coming and I'm here to ignite a fire inside of you that that oil in you would begin to burn and that you would set ablaze the people around you and that these new passionate Christians would come alongside and you teach them how to be passionate and the older 
are ones who have lost their zeal that their chaff would be burned up and they'd catch on fire too. I'm saying that in this church are people that are filled with the Spirit of God that have got the oil of the Holy Ghost who are sitting there looking for permission to be who they are in Christ. And I'm telling you, you let your fire burn. You let it burn bright and let the people around you gather around to stay warm. Because what we need is a fire. Jesus said, when I come back, I'm looking for somebody whose faith is on fire. And I would suggest that you stay for the second service. Because I think this guy's saying it's over. <laughs> Heavenly Father, all across the room, I know that when your word goes forth, that it doesn't return void. I know that I laid it down. And I know they were picking it up. So I know in faith, I know from experience that there's people in this house. Prayer team, y'all better get up here. This is what you've all been praying for. This is what you've all been hoping for. You ready? Jesus is doing a new thing. And he loves you. And he understands the trials that you've been going through. He understands the struggles. He understands the addictions. He understands the pain. He understands the world that you live in and all of the things that are coming against you. Oh. You say, but, but preacher, you don't understand. But I was born this way. I can't help the way I act. Hey, I was born this way too. Hey, I was bent towards addictive nature. I think if a little bit of something's good, then a lot of something's much better. I think if someone asked me if I can have a beer, I'd say, give me a whole case of them for myself. I got an addictive nature, but Jesus saved me. I was born this way, but Jesus saved me. Here's the thing. Preacher, I was born this way. But my Jesus said, it's okay. It's okay. He said, that's the reason why you must be born again. I was born this way, preacher. I say you must be born again. That's you this morning, and I know you're out there. I was once out there. I once didn't know what to do. I once sat there and I listened, and I said, Man, I wish that what he's talking about would change my life. But I've come down to that altar a hundred times, and a hundred times I felt that I left that altar unchanged. But little did I know, the whole time. He was changing me, brother. The whole time, he was all he asked is for you to step out in faith, and he'll do the rest. 
He's not asking you to be perfect. He's not asking you to be clean yourself up before you come. All He's saying is come. Lay down your burdens. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. All those who are weary. These altars are open. Come on. Let's go. I know you're here. And I was too. Give it to Jesus. Let's go.